and where most people will give up. But if you have the grit and the fortitude to push through to that 11, 12, even get one more 13 rep, like that was the kind of guy I was, I was like, I want to get one more rep, even though I'm shooting for 12. All right, man. I, I, as I was kind of mentioning before we hit record and I wanted to, to wait a sec, it, this is really cool for me because I, I legitimately remember. So I got into, in, in some background for you, because you don't obviously know too much about me yet, but I got into fitness and training and stuff really inspired through like your era of bodybuilding. So I'm 31 and I never lifted a weight my entire life until after high school. So after high school, I was doing nothing with my life. I was like, I got to figure something out lose some weight and get in shape. And uh, I worked at a Rite Aid out here. So like a CVS or a Walgreens or, you know, but I would always look at the muscle magazines and get like inspiration from that. And I, like, I remember just, dude, it was just countless times of like, uh, you, uh, Jay Cutler, a little bit of Ronnie towards the end. And just like, uh, some of the people coming up flex, like looking at flex magazines, muscle and development magazines, like muscular development magazines, but like seeing you, in the magazines and on the cover and stuff like that, it, it was so surreal because that's that's the Steve I know. And then not too long ago, this year in June, I, I go to church. I'm out in Texas and I I, I go to church and then I'm uh, I jump back to Steve Weatherford's house, who uh, who I was there to visit and, and hang out with. For those listening, Steve's a uh, ex pro football player. I would consider him like a personal development coach and, and mentor and, and very, very enthusiastic guy, great guy. And he decided to do a baptism in his pool after church. We all head back and I'm standing next to you and I'm looking at you and I'm like, God, this guy looks familiar <laughs> and really big. <laughs> and I leaned over to my buddy and like, you walked off and I was like, I know who that was. And I pulled up your Instagram. I was like, bro, Steve Kuklos here. What the heck? Like, how is this happening? You know? Um, and so it was just so surreal. And then, you know, uh, people we know through the church and everything connected us. And, and I'm just so, so grateful for that. And just so excited to, to connect and, and be able to hang out on the podcast. And hopefully again, when I come out there and visit and, uh, and yeah, man, I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to talk through your journey. And, and for those listening, this is, uh, Steve Kuklo and, uh, I'm going to let you give the proper intro of who you are. And we're going to dive through your story and the evolution of, of your life a bit, man, because you've done a lot, you've achieved a lot, you've gone through a lot. And, uh, you have a story that most people, can't fully probably comprehend and, and really understand just because you know the life of a bodybuilder like a true bodybuilder at the highest professional level in that era is pretty pretty cool man it's pretty fascinating so i'm excited to get through that and how that's shifted and changed over time but first and foremost man thank you for coming on the show oh gosh i think that intro right there is is pretty uh amazing thank you you cody i think your your story your testimony what you're doing right now like i think we were before we got on you I, uh, just huge props to you for what you're doing, man. That's, you're doing some amazing stuff out there. And I think the world needs more of you. So for me, I mean, gosh, I would consider, I get a kind of a golden era of the bodybuilding age. It's, it, and I literally have had this conversation probably five times in the last two weeks about where the sport is now and where, when I was kind of in the prime of my career and where it was and, uh, you know, and, and I believe bodybuilding has, has opened up so many doors for me and, and, and I think because I was so successful and then had, you know, could be at a place of authority or success that I could share and then success breeds success. Like if somebody from another industry is at the top of their game, they can recognize another person at the top of their, mm. their game in another industry. So I, I've just, I've just been so grateful, so blessed by, by what the doors that have opened up alignments that happened in my life through bodybuilding. But, you know, I, I literally have spent 20 years in the fitness industry, um, competing, training, expo i mean you name it everything i've really done has been heavily involved in the fitness industry so um it's so many doors have opened up because of that like i said and then even businesses i i've had you know I've, I've had a very entrepreneurial spirit i love i love business i love you know making connections with people connecting people making moves and and that's you know I've learned so much i think bodybuilding has taught so much so many disciplines that i've been able to transfer into business too so um yeah like i said i started in 2003 was my first show 2003 2004 and uh just absolutely got bit with the 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 weights love training and i love that bodybuilding truly is a discipline of like you versus you mm -hmm. it's not like you know you're the one that's responsible for picking up the weight you're the one responsible for showing up you're the one responsible for eating the meals 
and uh, nobody else can do it for you. And I've played team sports my whole life, my, my uh, you know, youth, at a, at, and had a lot of success in that space. But that did teach me a lot of discipline and hard work and, and the, you know, kind of the spirit of winning. I love to win. Yeah. So from there, it was getting into bodybuilding and it was just, it was totally kind of new. My parents didn't come from any kind of weightlifting background or, you know, I just from playing sports, I loved training. I loved being the biggest, fastest, strongest guy in anything I did. And from there, it was, you know, I always thought you had to be the top of the game to get on stage. I always thought you had to be Ronnie Coleman. So I was a little bit timid at first to be like, I'm not ready to get on stage, but I was encouraged by people around me and they all said, you know, you should, you should do it. You have something really special. And I think the people around you is is, that you surround yourself with is very important. And that's, I talk about that a lot. And in, in, you know, coaching that I do and, you know, proximity, the power of proximity and the people you surround yourself with. And so I got encouraged, showed, you know, went to a few shows, got the confidence and said, all right, I'm going to do this at 18 years old. I got on stage, won my first shows and, you know, had success. So there's fruit there. And for me, it's like, all right, let's, let's continue this, this journey. And it was at the same time going to school and, and not being so, you know, bodybuilding is something you commit so much time, effort, energy into. And it is not, you know, at the beginning stages, you know, you're not getting paid seven figure contracts and getting a lot of money. It's all you, you have to self fund all this. So I went to school, you know, got my uh, degree, went to uh, end up getting hired as a firefighter paramedic in the city of Dallas, worked at that career for 10 years, Uh, amazing career. So many great life lessons learned there. So many, uh, you know, really learned a lot about myself. And from that also, you know, in conjunction with pursuing bodybuilding at high, high level and and turning pro working at like the busiest station in the city of Dallas and like, you know, getting my butt kicked for 24 hours at a time and, you know, managing stress, managing time. And, uh, just, it's been, when I look back at it, I'm like, man, that was a really cool journey and has taught me so much in life. And, and it, looking back, I'm like, man, it went by so fast. And uh, at the same time, now I lead me to where I am today. Uh, was a pro since 2011. It's 2023. La- last year was the last time I competed, 22. And man, I'm just so grateful for like the the blessings that have happened in my life. I just had a son. Uh, my my wife and I, we had a we Stephen Gabriel, our son. It, it was just it's something I've always felt like I've truly wanted in life. And I think in life if you really don't understand your purpose in life and you have a child, like that puts a whole new level of purpose on your life. And it, and, uh, I have the most amazing wife uh, that I could be blessed with. And I'm just, uh, man, I'm very grateful. And I'm grateful to be here on your show, man. So excited to chop it up with you today, share some wisdom, some knowledge, and, uh, you know, let's do this. I love it, man. I love it. And you're so right. It's, uh, it really is the biggest blessing in it, in it, it adds a new layer of, of drive and, and purpose and, and passion to everything you do. Man, I, there's there's so many ways I could take this and there's so many questions I could ask you. So I, I'm going to do my best to organize this in a way that is kind of, uh, you know, uh, chronological with where you were to where you are now. Sure. And the first thing is that I, I want to, because there's a lot of health folks, people, I think that, I mean, 99% of the people listening to this are. So I think that this kind of sets the stage for everything in, and that's, you know, I want to dive into the discipline and the sacrifices and what was necessary and what wasn't and things like that, because I think there's so much inside of bodybuilding that people might look at and be like, wow, that's a lot, or that's so much sacrifice, or it's a selfish sport and things like that. But there's also a lot of disciplines that as, as brutal as they may be, pay dividends to the success you have later in life. And it's worth it if you can see it the right way. But before we get into that, which is the mindset side of it, which I think is the most, probably the most beneficial things we can really get out of you from this given your experience. I'm curious because you said your first show was 2003 and you just competed in 2022, right? So that's uh-huh. basically 20 years of competing. Now we know that bodybuilding is a brutal sport. You know, even if we take, even if we take PEDs or anything that out of the picture, just looking at the fact that you're, you're gaining weight and then you're rapidly cutting weight and you're getting, tra- I mean, I just did a show. I'm uh, just, I literally yesterday was four weeks post show for me. Um, so I'm in the like health phase right now of like, okay, let's bring my calories back up. We're continually like, I'm focusing on sleep and all that men's physique for me, not bodybuilding, but you know, it's a brutal, like towards the tail end. I mean, it's grueling, you know, it's, it's brutal. What have you done to stay healthy, to stay like it, whether that is recovery, whether that's nutrition, what is that, whether that's training, like, what have you learned? Like, just obviously this is a, probably a can of worms, a loaded question, but 
just big tip points of like how you feel like you were able to do it for 20 years. And there's some guys who are broken by 20 years and you're still training hard. You're, you're active, you're healthy, you're having a kid. Like, how did you do that? You know, that, that is something, one of my first coaches, and I would say that's the importance of, of getting good mentors and coaches in your life. Um, I think the older we get, sometimes we feel like we know it all. And it's like, man, I don't need a coach. I don't need somebody to, to keep me accountable. And, and, uh, I'm going to figure this out myself. And I, I've been very blessed to have great coaches uh, and mentors through my life. And one of my first coaches said, you know, we need to look at this like a marathon, not a sprint mm. and bodybuilding in like people in general. And we all have this a little bit. We all want that instant gratification. We all want like, man, I want to be the size of Ronnie Coleman. I want to be a top pro in one year. And that truly is unrealistic. And I talk about that a lot is, you know, a lot of people set unrealistic expectations and goals for themselves. Like, you know, it's, it's like the adage, how do you eat an elephant? It's one small bite a day, you know, small, small gains daily equals big wins, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I always looked at it like I, there's the health component to it. And then there's the, yeah, there's the extreme side to it too. It's like, how do we create a balance in that? You know, when it's time to get on the gas and go hard, you know, I'm all in on it. But when it's time to pull back and, and rest my body and recover and come off the PEDs, get my body, you know, right. I was able to to mentally do that. And a lot of people don't, you know, are hard, have a hard time mentally because bodybuilding is a huge mental sport too. And you talk about like the sacrifice and, 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 you know, the, the struggles you face, the low energy, like, you know, starting to, the mental side that starts playing and later you prep now prepping yourself, you understand that you're like, man, I feel small. I'm tired. Like, am I there? It's, it's, uh, you're fighting these other like voices over here. Like, why are you doing this? You should be eating something. You, you start, you know, if your mind plays crazy games on you, like you look at a head of broccoli and you're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> like you understand that competing and you understand that, like really, you know, looking at food differently and there's so many things, but for me to do it right, like I really looked at it like a long play. And it wasn't like, how big can I get and can I get there the quickest? It was like, hey, if I want to make a career out of this, if it's something truly that is a passion of mine, I love doing and I'm able to do it for a career, like I, I want to do that. So I looked at it like we need to do this right and get the right people in my corner and, and understand when to push and when not to push. And, um, you know, I've always used the time that was off, like truly to be off. And there's a lot of guys that because mentally they can't come off, you know, PEDs, they want to stay on the gas all the time. And eventually like your body will break. And now genetically I've had, I have great genetics and my body was able to, you know, I, I'm a bigger person. My, my, my mom's side of the family are very like structurally large. My dad's like athletic. So I wasn't like a super small guy that got huge. I was, I was a, a bigger kid that ended up getting bigger by training hard, being disciplined and following the, the disciplines of bodybuilding. But my my main thing would always be like health conscious. And and sometimes we lose sight of that when you are competing because you want to win, you'll do whatever it takes to win. And in that time, you are sacrificing, you know, health and sacrificing certain things in that aspect too. So I was always conscious of that. And that would probably be my biggest thing and my biggest takeaway for people is, you know, consider the factors and the things you have to do to get to your goal. Like if it's Yes, there's time sacrifice and yes, there's energy and there's, there's times where, you know, it may not be the healthiest, but for a short period of time, like your body's amazing and can recover and, and will recover. But if you're continually beating the crap out of it all year long, eventually it's going to break. So I'd always train smart. I would, I would, you know, I knew how to push myself and I knew how to keep ego out of, out of the gym. I always take care of myself with like, I call more or less prehab, you know, always getting chiropractic tissue work done. Um, and that's why bodybuilding is a very expensive sport because you, your, your body is like a sports car. You're always putting the right, like top fuel in it. You're always getting it serviced. You're always doing all this stuff, but that's how you perform at a super high level is you really have to invest in that. Yeah. That's golden, man. I think that's, it's, it, it really does come down to knowing how to, uh, speed up and slow down at the right times. Right. And, and being, cause it is, it's, it's, and, and I'd be curious if you're, uh, if you have any, you probably still have to do this in other areas of your life. Cause I think it, this never goes away, especially if you go from being, uh, I have interviewed multiple pro athletes who have uh, successfully become entrepreneurs after the fact, which isn't always the case. There's a lot of people who struggle with that shift. And it's always something I really respect in high, high level athletes, because that is a, I believe is a harder shift to make than just becoming an entrepreneur, you know, going from an athlete to knowing that it's time to shift and and start focusing on a transition into a new 
career, a new path, a new thing. It's, it's tough, right? Especially when you're at the highest of the high and then you got to restart, like that's not easy. But on the mental side of that, you know, you kind of mentioned this and, and I have a really good way I feel of going about this and it doesn't affect me as much, but there's plenty of clients we work with. Um, cause obviously that's, you know, I run a coaching company, but as you mentioned, like you're dieting and that was the goal. And then you, when you get so close to your goal, you're like, man, I look tiny. Like I'm looking small, need upon size. And then you get done and then you start gaining a little bit of weight and you're like, oh shit, I'm getting a little fat. Like I can't, I can't put on too much fat. And then you're getting in your head. Right. And then it's the same thing with, uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of coaches listen to this show, so they'll get this like, um, and, and this was me early in my career too. You lose one client. It's like, everything's burning down. You got to figure things out. And it's like, you're scrambling. Like there's always these highs and lows. What is the mental talk in your head? You know, you talk about the little, the little, uh, let's say, you know, the devil, the angel, the good, the bad birdie. Is there certain things that you have learned going through bodybuilding and now entrepreneurship? And, and I'll tell you what, like my daughter's five, but it, it continues into being a father, obviously every new, you know, level, new uh, chapter. Are there things that like mental practices or, or rituals or things you're saying in your mind or, or things that you do that help you with that? Because I think a lot of people struggle to listen to the good birdie instead of the bad one, if that makes sense. You know, absolutely. For me, it's always it, keeping distractions out and keeping negative people out, keeping negative thoughts out. But like, how do you do it? Like when I would get ready for shows and, you know, competing at the highest level, getting ready for the Mr. Olympia, uh, especially social media age that we're in now, it, it, it wasn't so much present early in my career. It was just like magazines. But but now, you know, there's it wouldn't be comparing myself to others and it would be just focusing on what I have control of. Mm. And when, you know, for me, it's like, okay, there, people are talking about this guy and they're talking about this guy and, you know, there's pictures posted of this and, and, you know, I would really just not even look at it and I would really just focus on like what I had control of and just literally go day to day with things. Because if you're looking like, or I need to be in, in, you know, three weeks and I'm not there right now, but I trust the process, you know, and, and sometimes people start getting, they start playing games with themselves because they start doubting themselves or not where they want to be, but understand like where you're at at three and four weeks out when that starts really getting in that mental stage is how you look right there is part of the process and it all counts on the day of the show like you're not getting judged four weeks out you're getting judged the day of the show and and that's that's something really important to like remember and and because you get moments of where you get discouraged but then you get those moments where you're like man i'm on track i look great i feel great today there's this big burst of energy and then all of a sudden like you feel skinny fat again and you're like god i, I look like crap how did i feel like I, I don't even look like i dieted and i've been dieting for eight weeks what's going on so there is a constant battle but it is trusting the process and for me it was always listening to my coach like and having confidence in them if you have confidence in your coach like and you're able to give them the keys and say you drive the car now, I could probably put myself, if I wanted to, I have the knowledge and the understanding and I know my body, but at the same time, it was taking the stress off myself and just listening to somebody I trusted and not listening to all this other noise of people saying, oh, you got to try this, you got to do this. And you start putting too many cooks in the kitchen, like you're going to drive yourself crazy and you're literally just going to derail your own progress because there's too many cooks in the kitchen. So for me, it was always listening to my coach, trusting in the process. Um, and not being distracted and, and thinking about all the other guys and just focusing on what I truly had control of, of myself and my actions and how hard I could work. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, man. I think that one of the, uh, it would be one of those like easier said than done statements that as coaches, we constantly say too, right, is, is uh, control what you can control. Don't worry about what yeah. you can't control. And that's so much easier said than done. And it, it frustrates a lot of people. Same with, uh, trust the process. People are like, I know, but I, I want to get the result now, or I want to get through this now. And I think the, those who can trust the process and those who can really isolate their focus to what is in their control while pushing away the negative, pushing away the uncontrollables, or at least not stressing about it, or worrying about it too much. I really do think those are the people that end up being the most successful in anything they do, you know? Um, and so I think that's so, and it probably didn't come easier quick, but, um, and, and that kind of segues into my next question, which was what I brought up earlier with like the discipline and the sacrifice. And I don't even think I actually have posted this yet, but we, we filmed a bunch of like, uh, my videographer just started asking me random questions when I was done with my show, just like pick my brain. And, and, uh, one of the things I said was, I, I think that if you're going to reach success at a, at a pretty high level, or if you're going to achieve any result that you want, there's 
a point in time or a level of suffering that is bound to happen. And the degree of that suffering is, you know, relative to the individual and the goal. But I think if you're not willing to go through a little bit of suffering, go through a little bit of pain, discomfort, struggle, you're really never going to reach your full potential. And so when people see bodybuilding as an extreme thing, it sounds so insane, but I love it because of that, right? It's that part that I'm like, that's what excites me because on the other side of that is a version of myself that I haven't even discovered yet. And I can't wait to discover that person. I mean, your, your company, I believe is called uh, the upgraded human, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, I mean, that's a perfect example of it. Like you, it's titled that way, right? That's how you become that. Um, so I'm curious if just your, your, I mean, it's not even really a question. I just want to hear your thoughts on that in general, because you've taken that in the bodybuilding realm to a degree that I never did. You know, you took it even further and there was probably plenty of times where there was moments of suffering. There was moments of pain, uh, mental, emotional, physical, and just getting through that and how it actually applies to your life now, like looking back at it, like obviously it made you a, a better bodybuilder, but how, how has it like shaped who you are as a man and as a business owner and as a leader? Yeah, bodybuilding is is kind of like the you know taking a piece of coal and and creating the diamond out of it. But how do you do it? It's like tons of pressure that creates that diamond. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, there was a lot of sacrifice. There is a lot of, of of stress and resistance. Like when you look at muscle, okay, what grows muscle? It's resistance. And what grows you as re- as a person typically? It's it's resistance. It's hard times. It's getting through things that are difficult. And where most in bodybuilding teaches where growth really happens when that failure comes. So in that, in that working set, when you're at like that rep eight or nine, when you're trying to get 12 and you're starting to fail and it gets really hard and where most people will give up. But if you have the grit and the fortitude to push through to that 11, 12, even get one more 13 rep, like that was the kind of guy I was, I was like, I want to get one more rep, even though I'm shooting for 12. And that's where true growth happens. And to me in, in life, when things get hard and where most people want to give up because it's hard or it's uncomfortable because of bodybuilding, I've been able to say, no, I can be all in on this. And it just, because it's hard, this is where I'm going to grow. This is where success is going to start happening in this uncomfortable zone. And in the times that I've been the most uncomfortable in life is the times I've had the most growth and the times that I've been comfortable and it's been on cruise control and it's like, oh, whatever have been the times that I feel like I've had the least amount of growth looking back at it. And I think I know that now through life experience, being 38 and, and going through enough in life to realize like, man, even when that, you know, when that, and I've recently gone through a season where it, you know, going through a transition of, you know, being at the top of my game in, in the bodybuilding world, now transitioning that into life and going into some uncharted waters and territory and be like, you know what, this is a little bit scary. This is, there's a lot of unknowns here. There's a lot of hardship that I'm facing, but do I give up or do I say, no, I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to, you know, bear down. And when things are hard and when I'm hearing that voice, like when I was starting the upgraded human this year, and I was hearing a lot of, you know, there's a lot of voices where the enemy, it was in my head saying, you know, nobody's going to care about this. Nobody, you know, the fear of failure was coming on me. Uh, the, the, the fear of, of not succeeding. And to me, that's when I had to dig in even more. And I was like, you know what, I am on the right path. This is um, this it, I am doing the right thing. This is the right you know door to walk through for me. When I when I you know where most people would be like oh you know I don't know if I could do this and then they start talking themselves out of it. Bodybuilding taught me no you freaking you you grind through you bust through that wall you just keep going you keep moving forward. And I think that's been the greatest lesson that bodybuilding has taught me is like when things are hard you just keep moving forward because I mean and I always say uh, with people like when you're prepping. And I hear somebody that's prepping, I ask, hey, how you feeling? And if they're like two weeks out, I'm like, man, I feel great. This is this is so easy. And I'm like, oh, you're not where you need to be because you need to, you need to be hurting a little bit. And it sucks that you have to say that. And it sucks that bodybuilding is like that. But that's the guys that have the most success and that win shows and that have success in it is because they're willing to suffer, willing to hurt. And I always know if I was suffering, I'd get two weeks out and I'm like, man, I really feel like crap. I have no energy. I'm sleeping like crap, even though I feel like I could uh, fall asleep standing up. Like at that point, I knew like my body is where it, it's so uncomfortable. And, and as I've done it more and more in, in career, like, and I got better and better because I reset that bar every time. Like I was able to suffer a little bit more. I've got to that point. I'm like, you know what? I can go a little farther. I can go a little farther. And the further I went with that, the more success I had. And that's how I was able to be, you know, top 10, top five in the world. 
in in that sport, but carrying that into business, into life, like I'm willing to take hard times and learn the lessons from hard times to become better. Is there like, uh, is there a reflection practice along with that? I think, and the reason I ask that is because I think that what I've noticed about a lot of people, and I would imagine you're this way simply because you're in the uh, leadership, coaching, mentorship kind of space now, you know, you're able to help people. I don't, usually you, you have to be one of these kind of people to do that. But if you're very reflective or introspective, I think you can, you're going to take a lot more of that, right? There's a lot of people who, I mean, there's athletes who are great athletes, but they're not great coaches or leaders, right? They're just, they're willing to suffer. They're willing to go through that. But after the fact, maybe they're not able to pull out those diamonds and pull out the lessons they learn, if that makes sense. Like, do you, do you find yourself going through, I mean, I guess, I don't know, routines or practices or reflections or anything like that to try to like, you're like, I know something's here. I need to like deep dive in this and try to pull something out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, I think my early, early stages of my career in life, I was definitely more like just forward facing, like, let's, let's just keep going. Even, even through failures of not winning a show, placing second, placing fifth, whatever it was, like I understood, okay, like I'll take the knock and I didn't win, but I'm going to keep moving forward. Um, I'm just going to come back better. But a little bit later in life now, probably within the last couple of years, I've definitely had taking more time to look back and say, what, could, what have I really learned from this and being more introspective and being more uh, thinking about it a lot more. Uh, you could call that wisdom, you could call that experience. I think, um, you know, it, the young years were like, man, I'm unstoppable. I'm just going to keep moving forward and, and nobody's going to stop me kind of thing. Now it's like, okay, I'm, I want to learn from this. I'm going to be a little more wise and maybe, you know, work smarter, not harder in this situation. Uh, that's what I could definitely feel I, I, I'd applied now for sure. So going, going back just a little bit with, cause you went from firefighter paramedic to bodybuilder. Did you ever have, I mean, like, it sounds like you just fell in love with the iron and that kind of evolved into becoming an athlete, you know, which is the case for most people, right? Like usually you have a personal goal and then it kind of builds into something else. Was there ever a plan for after bodybuilding or did it like, I guess I'm, I'm curious of how it transpired into what it is now. Like, did you start bodybuilding with an entrepreneur mind or was it like, I have plan A and that's bodybuilding. There is no plan B and then plan B, which was not really plan B. It's just the next, the next phase of life, right. Kind of sprung upon you. Like, I'm just curious about that evolution. It was probably more the, there was no plan B, like I'm all in on plan A and that is, you know, taking bodybuilding as far as I can. It's, it's, I was doing uh, firefighting paramedic in conjunction that, you know, parallel at the same time as uh, bodybuilding. And eventually when I got to that crossroad where the stress, the trying to manage both schedules and getting time off and all that kind of stuff was just becoming like unbearable. And I'm like, man, I just can't do this. I made the decision after, you know, counsel and really a lot of thought into it, like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to retire from the firefighter side and go all in on the bodybuilding side. That's when I was like, okay, I'm all in on this and there is no option to fail. Like we got to, we got to win. And from there, moving forward and like understanding, getting more entrepreneurial in my ways, having some mentors and then having guys I looked up to, like Jay Cutler was one of the, I would say more entrepreneurial bodybuilders would always talk about doing his business. And I understand you're like, I was my own brand. Like Steve Kuklo is his own brand. And I got to represent myself and I have to be, you know, the walking billboard for Steve Kuklo. So understanding that, like I always, that's where I start branding. And I was, you know, one of the first guys to do my own t-shirts and do my own, you know, swag and do, you know, start marketing myself at higher levels than just getting a contract from a supplement company. And then, so I understood that and start learning that and building, you know, brands off that and having my own bodybuilding show. Now the Kuklo classic, it's like, man, I, what I built now has allowed me to have fruit in this in so many areas because of, you know, not just being a, a one trick pony, but understanding business and, and marketing and, and, and sales and, you know, how to grow a business and structure something and, and being willing to take risk on myself. Um, but I, I, being all in on it hundred percent was, was my only option for initially now with coming out like, okay, crew after bodybuilding, the thought has been in the last few years. Okay. What is, what are the next chapters look like? And that has been a lot of introspective, like a lot of really deep thought, a lot of scary thought too, man. It's like, man, all I've felt like I've known is like what I've done in the fitness world. But it's like, okay, how can I take what I've done and start extrapolating like some things that I could can monetize relationships that I've had? And my my mentor and, and one of my coaches, Keith Kraft, 
you know, he talks about alignments and how alignments will lead you to your assignments and in life. And I've been very assignment oriented where I'm like, okay, what's next? What am I doing next? And I've chased my tail. And, and that's like, okay, I can't figure this out. But then you, you step back and, you know, I, I, coming into prayer or coming into talking to my wife and like, you know, wise counsel and, and letting God open up doors and then letting the alignments in your life start leading you to things like in this, uh, it's pretty crazy within the past few weeks, I've had such amazing through my alignments opportunities falling into my lap. And I'm like, almost in the point where I'm like, I have to turn stuff away because I, I can't do it all. And I want to do it all. But I'm like, man, I got an opportunity to be a CEO of this company. I got an opportunity to partner with this guy. I got an opportunity here. It's like, holy crap. Like this just start coming on me through my alignments. Not that I put out an email, like, please help me. This is like, God, this is literally pouring, pouring, uh, you know, the, the treasures of heaven over me. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And, and, and I think normally uh, being a yes man is way easier than being, you know, somebody who can intelligently say no, which is a, it's a good problem to have, you know, it's a, it's a blessing. But so in that, in that process, and I think this will apply to so many people listening who aren't even bodybuilders, but just maybe fitness enthusiasts or anything like that. Do you believe that there was a, whether you did it intentionally at the time, but like looking back on it now, like there was a, a certain time that it was necessary to start building that personal brand and start expanding outside of it. Cause I think that a lot of people, if, if you went into bodybuilding and you were like, I'm going to be successful, I'm going to start building my personal brand right away because now I know this is what's going to lead to X, Y, Z versus I need to be the best bodybuilder in the world. And I'm going to just focus on that. And because you just focus on that and didn't focus on anything else, you became the type of person who could do the things that you're doing today. Right. And I think a lot of people have that backwards. They're like, oh, I'm going to do like, I see this with, uh, even with business coaches now in the fitness industry, they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a nutrition coach so that I can be a business coach who coaches nutrition coaches, how to build their business. And I'll see them. And I'm like, did you even have like a really good coaching business before you became like a fitness business coach? Like, were you in the industry? Were you a, an athlete? Were you a coach? You know what I mean? Like, I think people try to jump steps and I think years kind of align perfectly from what it sounds like, but I got it. It probably wasn't totally intentional, but do you feel like there's value in that? Absolutely. I think you have to understand, like I have a, a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine actually was meeting with this morning. You know, he, he had built one of the largest um, auto finance companies in the world. And he's like the, all the guys I brought in, into, into work for him when he was in this industry, he's like, I had them work three years in a uh, car dealership selling cars before they understood the finance side and come work for me. And I was like, holy crap. Like, mm. you know, it, it, so to me, to understand how something actually works, I have another friend that, that is, you know, he's got a cannabis company and he's like, dude, I want to get into this space, but I actually went to the grows and was learning how to grow first before I actually got into taking this. Like I understood the whole product and the process and then I could apply that. Yes. I agree that you have to have knowledge of, you know, what is, what does somebody go through or going through? and be able to help them through that because you've gone through that yourself. Like that's one of the things I always, I, I tell people, like I teach from experience, not from theory. I don't really read a book and be like, Hey man, I know how to do this now. And I'm going to be a coach at it. I'm like, man, I'm going to share what I've learned mess ups. I had, you know, hard times. I, I'm going to be able to help you through it because I've been there. I went through the hard stuff and I could, you know, help eliminate some of the, those, those roadblocks and, and, you know, walls you'll face, we can maybe navigate around it and cut some time out of, you know, the learning curve here and accelerate a whole lot faster. To me, that's what a good coach does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can even be a great coach if you haven't also been a client. You know what I mean? Like you, you were yeah. a client of a coach as an athlete for a long time, which allows you yeah. to understand how to create the best clients. And that's like, what they need. To me, a good coach is coachable. Mm -hmm. To me, a good coach has coaches. Like I have four or five coaches that I work with on a regular basis myself right now that are in all different spaces of things that I do, my thought process, my body, my business, like all these things. Like I have coaches that help me refine who I am. Yeah. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And I'm in the same position. I have multiple coaches and I always have, because I think it's so, so valuable. Last question on the bodybuilding part of your life before we kind of move into what you're doing more so now and, and getting some specifics with upgraded human the changes you've seen. I'm just curious, like you kind of brought it up before we jumped on the call, but I am, I'm, I'm generally curious of like, what do you think the big difference is? You know, like they call the golden era, um, like Arnold's days and everything. 
But I, I don't know, like to me, like your era really was that for me. And maybe it's just because when I first started and look, like I've watched pumping iron a million times. I've read the Arnold's encyclopedia. Like I've studied all that stuff too. I love it. But there was something about like your era, you, Jay, Ronnie branch. Like there's just like, there was a lot of guys in that era that I just, I don't know. It was like the epitome of bodybuilding. And it's very like, I don't know. I love it. It's nostalgic to me, but what has changed in your mind from then to now, as far as the mindsets, the athletes, just anything that comes to mind. I agree that I agree the golden golden era, golden age of bodybuilding. But I think it's it's been in it's segmented. Like Arnold's day was a golden age of bodybuilding because he's had there was like several prominent figures that really carried the sport. Mm. And then there was that late nineties, early two thousands, the the Ronnie J. Like there were some great figures that carried the sport. And then in, into my era was like the. 0708 to probably 2018 2019 like it was that 2010 class that was like a golden era uh, of guys some really quality bodybuilders that and there what was cool about it is there was so much like coverage of it too like it wasn't and, and here in the u.s we're very spoiled of of having access to all the athletes too like if we go overseas right now like if i go to middle east i go to to europe like they don't, they're not flooded with fitness, uh, you know, professionals at high level. So you're treated like freaking royalty over there. Here, you're walking down the street, somebody like, oh, I know that guy. He like trains in my gym, whatever, you know. But you like Hottie goes back to Iran and they got freaking, they got busts of him and like huge statues made out of bronze because uh, that's how much they cherish and like value, you know, what, what bodybuilding truly is. One of the hardest sports in the world. But the golden era, like to me, yes. I think the quality of guys dictates that a whole lot. And then the weight was covered. And then, you know, I, I think in, in the current era that we're in, there hasn't really been any like really solid voices for the sport. It hasn't, you know, social media has diluted things a little bit, which, you know, that there's pros and cons of social media, social media, people have a lot more access to guys like myself or like, you know, the, the, the Jays and see day to day life. But when I was going through it, there was really no social media. Social media was magazines, and there was some, some you know, the websites at Muscular Development and, and the message boards and stuff like that. But you got to see a video get posted of like, hey, here's a day in the life, or here's training up to a show. And that was and that was awesome because, you know, you got to like watch what they were doing. It was like really, it was like pre-YouTube, what YouTube is now, you know, but, but on a, a different scale. And what it really allowed, I think people, when they got access to us, it was like at expos, it was at the big shows, it was like Olympia, I'm going to Olympia Expo because I'm going to meet my favorite bodybuilders, the guys I want to meet, you know, and, and so it was, they had limited access. So it, sometimes when you create scarcity, it creates a lot more demand. Like, man, I want, I want to see that. Now people have access, like I look at my phone, go to, you know, Instagram and be like, oh, I see what he's doing today. What is it? Big deal. Like I'm kind of, you know, they're a little bit numb to it. I even like that. So that's the the downside to social media. But I would say that, yeah, the golden era of bodybuilding, the, the changes now, I think there's a couple good guys and there's just a lot, of, a lot of average guys. And it's not knocking anybody because every one of those athletes are amazing. But like the quality of competitor has gone down some, you know, I think the production of some shows have gone down and, and that, that hurts the sport and not having a, a good voice caring, like, you know, being a, a, an advocate for it, you know, not getting, I always said, I'd love to see the sport go mainstream, you know, by somebody being a voice. Like I would have loved to, to, you know, throw the crown on my head and get on, you know, go to the late night shows or get on the daytime shows and like really speak about health, fitness, and, and like, the, the upside for bodybuilding. Yes. Bodybuilding is extreme. And they're always going to get the, the, the gray area or like, you know, the frowned upon because of steroids, but like 99 uh, sports have steroids and let's just be real with it. Yeah. But like, you know, yes, bodybuilding is more extreme with it, but the disciplines and like how people are, and there's some really amazing people that are in bodybuilding and fitness industry. Yeah. There's some meatheads and that is a, you know, a title that sometimes we get because of like, okay, all we do is work out. But at the same time you get the people would meet me at expos or an appearance. They'd be like, wow, that guy's like really nice and really cool. I'm like, what do you think? I'm a, I'm an a-hole. Like you're going to meet me. I'm going to bite your head off. Like, no, I'm going to talk to you like a, human being and, and you get to know who I am, who, who you see online, the same person you're going to see in, in, in person. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with everything there too. I think that, um, you know, even the steroid conversation, it's like, from what I can tell it, you know, they have like the safer use model where it's like, okay, like there's people, it's obviously in the sport, but like I said, it's in every sport and years and years and years and years later, these guys are still healthy and fine. But there was a point after your era um, and it sounds, it seems like just recently it actually started kind of calming down a bit where 
people are getting back to like more is not better necessarily. You know, they're actually smart and, and controlled with it. And, but for a while, it seems like it was like throw the whole kitchen sink at it, you know, and there was a lot of people that that's harmful for because they're not even really getting on those stages. <laughs> no, it, it was the Boston Lloyd, the Rich Piana era, like yeah. where they were like, dude, you, you know, put these extreme cycles online. And then, you know, the, the naive young guy is going to follow that because they, they admire this, what, what he's done. They want to look like him when it's really never going to happen. They don't have the genetics to carry it, nor you know, the access or the funds, whatever it is, or, you know, they're probably going to get some bad drug and then they're going to have a lot of issues with it. So, you know, there's been waves of, of health issues in the industry. Part of it was like, you know, there was a, there was a big wave of synthol use in the industry where, you know, guys were using synthol. And to me, that's like putting oil in your gas tank in a car. Like your, your kidneys can't filter that oil. And eventually like you're going to have they, a lot of guys have kidney issues from it, you know, and that's one of the downsides to the sport is, you know, people want to look a certain way and they'll do whatever it takes. So they went too far and they're having health problems with it. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, there's issues with, you know, you can be healthy if you maintain, you know, watch your blood pressure, watch, you know, get blood work done regularly, do things like that. That's stuff I would always do and make sure it was in healthy levels and guys, you know, oh, I'm not going to worry about it. My blood pressure's through the roof. They're, you know, having all these heart problems or heart rate, you know, they're sleeping at night, heart rate's 110. Like that's not good. Mm -hmm. You know, my heart rate at night right now is like in the low 50s, sometimes like high 40s. Like that's just because I've taken care of myself and has looked at my health as a priority in this in this long game with it. Um, and then, you know, in, in the recent, it, which which a lot of things and it's not talked about a lot, but I've kind of pieced it together is when you're taking PEDs, you're taking steroids, your blood chemistry changes. Like it, you're not you don't have the same blood as say a normal person walking on the street, whether your blood's thicker, your blood, your blood's just different. Let's just call it that. Let's keep it real simple. And then you're taking a lot of these injections that they're giving for, for viruses. That's what I'll just call it. You know, some of the vaccines, it changes your blood as well. And then the combo of those two have been very deadly. It has taken a lot of lives in our industry. And I'm like, guys, if you've been vaccinated, please be careful using you know, PEDs with that, you're just seeing all these issues that are happening and nobody's really called it out, but I'll, I'll call it out and say, I'm going to say that's probably what killed them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, there's no, and there's no, they don't have studies on that, on those two things being combined, let alone right. either one of them individually sometimes at all. <laughs> but the point is, is, you know, I think that people are, they're using the, at least for a while, like in that, at that time in that era that we're talking about, they see guys who are probably, I mean, even some of the best, they will say like, they didn't, it, it's not like the whole kitchen sink. They just actually train really hard and they're patient. I mean, you were just talking about it. Like you said that you uh, started your first show at 2003, you didn't go pro till 2011. You know, that's almost a decade of pushing and grinding and, and dieting and training hard before you became a pro. Now I will say this too, back then it was actually difficult. And not that it's not difficult to become pro. I'm not a pro, but like, it's easier to become pro. And I think that's one of the things with the sport now too, that I would add is like, you know, you said it's, it's got a little bit washed out and stuff back then. You probably, you know, you look at a stage and you know, maybe there's 10 guys, whatever. Now you can look at a stage and there's 40 guys. And it's like, well, <laughs> how, like, how easy is it to get on stage? How many pro cards are they giving out? How many shows are there? How, like it, it does open up the, the ocean to just too many people. And it doesn't, you know, imagine if like in, uh, in basketball or whatever, they're like, let's let nine guys on the court now per team. Fuck it. Like, and now it changes the sport. It just doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, that's not how it works. So um, anyway, that's, that's a rant, but I'm sure like you, you've probably seen that as well. Absolutely. It, like I said, dilution of the quality of guys, like, you know, when, when I turned pro only two guys turned pro at the USA's two guys at nationals, like that was it for, for the whole year. Now at nationals, I think in bodybuilding, they give out like 20 pro cards, you know? So it's like, you, you don't have the, it's not the, the retention of guys like they're not building up to be these really solid guys and like that are coming right into the pros ready to make their make some splashes like they turn pro and they end their career mm -hmm. like okay you don't hear about them anymore like maybe one out of a hundred come out where like man that, that guy's got potential to be pretty good but back in the day like when that guy turned pro like you watched him for that first pro show like i remember that was my goal for my first pro show was to win like it, the guys that would turn pro at the USA and national, like go to their first pro show and they want to win. And then you make your way to Olympia. Like everybody's watching you, but now it's like, Oh, he turned pro, whatever. Like you, you don't hear about them for make show up five years later. But when I turned pro, I remember it like that was my goal. 
and I had I did the New York Pro, and I placed uh, I placed third that year it was to to uh, behind. Uh, why am I drawing? Cedric McMillan. He looked phenomenal, and and you know my next show I ended up winning. So my second show I ended up you know winning the Dallas Europa, and then went to Olympia and did you know had success there. So like it's just different now. Like that you said, it, the quality is not there. There's there's too many. Let's just call it. There's just too many pros. I mean everybody's considered a pro now, and. Uh, I think if they went back to the old ways, you'd see the quality probably increase. Yeah. So uh, as we kind of get close to the end, I want to make sure I bring this into it because I think this is really important. The upgrade human, like now that you've transitioned out, uh, I wouldn't even say out because you still have, uh, you know, your bodybuilding show that you host in Dallas, correct? Google mm-hmm. Classic. Um, you just compete in 2022. So I don't know if you're going to compete again, but obviously you're, you're, you're heavily involved in fitness. So it's not that like we're completely out of it. Um, and I'm sure that's a component of what you do inside your upgrade human, but I'm just curious of what, like if you had, you know, the elevator pitch, you know, what is the upgraded human and what made you start that after all this stuff you've gone through after your entire journey inside of life and bodybuilding and, and everything you've done, what made you decide to channel that into what you're doing now? I think there, because to me, there's a lot of coaching programs out there and there were many are like money business focused, you know, masterminds and coaching programs, et cetera. And that's great. But I, I saw a common denominator being plugged into a lot of these business groups and business masterminds and, and where a lot of guys were suffering in their health, like they're overweight, they're eating like crap, they're not working out, they have no idea what to do how to get back into shape or, you know, or other things are suffering in their life, like relationships, like, man, I've neglected my, my, my wife, my kids, I don't spend time with them. But I've been so focused on head down, you know, butt up focused on business. So my things like take a step back. I'm like, let's start upgrading all these areas. Let's start upgrading your fitness and your health. Let's start upgrading your relationships. Let's upgrade, you know, your mindset, your faith. And when you start doing that, all of a sudden, like everything else starts upgrading as well, your business, your financing, like what you're doing for, for, for to make a living. And so that's why I call it like upgraded human. It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's upgrading all areas to become a, the best version of yourself. Like when you use that, that adage, like, oh, I'll become the best version of yourself. Like it's great to think certain things and do certain things, but you start taking action into your fitness. And, and I think fitness is a huge cornerstone in every part of life. Like when you get your fitness right and you're, you're disciplined, you're able to lead yourself and you're able to to you know get your health right and you're going to have more energy you're going to perform better you're going to have better sex you're going to be in better mood you're going to do all this stuff like why not make that a focus and get it right so my thing that yes i'm i'm more fitness heavy oriented on that component that's why it's it's like kind of looks like a little bodybuilder on the logo but to me it was that helping all these areas to help people upgrade who they are do you have and i agree completely i used to always say um uh, your body is the path to power. And, and I had a, a, like, it was one of the first like co- company shirts I made. I put that on the back. Cause I always said like, man, I'm I, at the time I didn't even fully comprehend it. Cause this is all I've ever done. So I was young when I made the shirt, but it was like, man, all these people are telling me their, their relationships are better. They're getting raises at their jobs. Like I'm just training them, but it's like, it's what you said, you know, everything kind of carries on after that. And it's always like that first pillar that you should attack. So I love that. Are there, are there certain like uh, outside of fitness being first, are there certain things that you implement or uh, do you believe accountability is a big piece of this? Is there like routines or anything like that, that you try to really focus on with your clients in this? Because the reason I ask is because I think that a lot of people love the idea of quote unquote, having it all. And then they always try to say like, yeah, but that's impossible. You can't, you can't have it all. You can't be like on point in all these areas. And I always argue with them because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's been plenty of times in my life where I really was. And of course, there's certain times where I'm like, ah, I'm falling off here. I got to get back on point. But I just know too many guys and too many successful people, men and women, who when I think of what having it all looks like, I'm like, I, that person does. Like, they got their stuff together in each category because they're intentional about these things. So I'm curious your thoughts on that and like what you implement as far as practices or, or routines or, or disciplines or if it's just like, we got to like set the frame and then it's a, it's accountability and, and coaching is the the real thing. Like, what is it? Accountability is huge. A lot of people need to be held accountable. And that's why, you know, I work with people. I do a lot of one-on-one like health and fitness coaching for high performers, high like entrepreneurs, high level, high level humans. And, um, you know, I keep the, every week I do check-ins with them. I get on calls with them. Like I, I keep them accountable. I want to know like more than just body. How, okay. How, what's the scale say, but I want to know where you're at here. Where's your mindset? I want to know where your heart's at. I want to know like how you're feeling and, and let's getting, it's getting it all right. 
But like you said, the key word is intentionality, like being intentional with your time with and making margin for yourself. Like that's one of the things I always say, guys, are, I don't have time in the day. Like, yeah, you do. I guarantee if you look at your calendar, you could find 45 minutes in, in there. You could plug in literally gym or, my, you know, self time or whatever you want to label it. But time, you need to make margin for yourself and then being intentional with it. Like, you know, cut out the distractions. And when you get to the gym, be super intentional with your time there you know, work your ass off and you're, you'll start seeing results, um, you know, with your, with your time at home, like put your phone down when you're at home with your kids and your wife, instead of just turning on TV, like, Hey, let's shut the TV off and let's be intentional with our time. Let's get to see what's on your wife's heart. Like, that's why I really like talking about all these areas with guys. And, you know, it may not be that you're the best in every area, but if you could be really good in all these areas, I promise your life is going to be so much more fruitful, so much more, so much better than just being great in the best in one area. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, so I do want to give you a, a chance too to, to like where to follow you, where to find more information about this, as well as, um, you know, I believe I saw that you did a, a, a mastermind seminar workshop, something like it was a pretty big event and I was bummed that I missed it cause I, I was late to seeing it pop up on my feed, but, um, I, I believe you host that. So I don't know if there's another one coming up in the future. I think it was just pretty recently. So I'm assuming not too soon, but that, um, when the Kukul classic is like your website, your Instagram kind of give us the, sure. all the links that I can drop in the description so people can find out more. Uh, anybody want to follow me, uh, through Instagram, Facebook, and, uh, you know, TikTok. it's all just at Steve Kuklo, K U C L O real simple. I do host my bodybuilding show, the Kuklo Classic, every May in Dallas. Um, it's a great event. I encourage people, like, even if you don't want to get on stage, like, it's super motivating to go to any bodybuilding show just yeah. to kind of get the energy and to see people's, like, hard work. Like, I, I get inspired going to the amateur show, putting on my show, and just watching these guys, like, because I know what it takes. And I'm like, man, I'm inspired. I'm ready to go work out. I want to go get better, like, just by showing up. Um, the upgraded human mastermind is my, my group, my network that I've, I'm working on building and we do weekly calls. So that's upgradedhuman.com or upgradedhumanmastermind.com. And, and I held my mastermind this past May uh, around the same time as my show. And that's when I had, I brought out a bunch of great speakers. Steve Weatherford was there, Sean Whalen, Jesse Lee. Like I have a lot of relationships in the industry that allowed me to put on a great event. I do have some, some, I'm going to do some more live in-person events this coming year, uh, for that. So keep an eye out, you know, and I love doing like I do online webinars for free that I love sharing some knowledge and with my people and helping them kind of get some stuff mapped out. And so yeah, I love helping people out. That's kind of who I am as a person. I, I'm a people person. I love relationships. And, and if I could uh, help somebody uh, obtain their goal, like, man, that's that's wins for me. I love it, dude. I'll, I will link all that in the description. If anybody listening is planning on going, you'll probably find me at the at least the Kukul Classic, if not both, because they're going to be backed up because I'm going to come out for that. Um, probably won't compete. Uh, 2025 is my plan for that. So the maybe, next time, okay. Yeah, so maybe that'll be that'll be when I step on your stage, man. But um, but man, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's a blessing to be connected with you. I was super excited to, to be able to interview you, and I think we're going to be able to to definitely do more in the future. So I'm going to put all that. We in will. The, we the, will, brother. Yeah, and I'll put all that in the description, guys. Make sure that you guys follow him. Go check out his websites and all that stuff and reach out to him and, and, and consume more content because everything you guys listen on here is very aligned with what Steve does. So again, man, thanks for coming on. Love it. 